0: My name is Belinda, I'm one of the team here at the church. If you're visiting with us, welcome. You know that last week it was so great to have Pastor Jack preaching back in the pulpit and he shared a, a cracker of a word, you've got to get the podcast if you weren't here, on the kingdom of forgiveness. And I love he said that we are all sinners and we all qualify for the kingdom of forgiveness because we've all sinned. We've all sinned. We've all failed. So if you're new here, welcome to a house, a place full of people that have failed and people that have sinned but have been saved by grace. You know, Pastor Jack shared last week from Matthew 6 the, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples and he said to pray, forgive us, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. If we see that prayer, what's the first line of that prayer? How does it start? Yeah, our father. Everybody say our father. our father. Our father. Our father. We are all a family and he is our father. The king is our father and the kingdom is a family. You know, Jesus was with his disciples teaching them and a man comes up and, and interrupts him and he says, Jesus, Your mother and brothers are here to to talk to you. And Jesus, he he extends his arm over to his disciples and he says, these are my mother and and brothers. Now, this is shocking. Was he trying to disown his family? This is a bit shocking. But Jesus often used shock value to teach a very important lesson. And the very important lesson he was teaching is that a kingdom family is what he was about. He was communicating that spiritual family is what it's all about. It's a place to belong, that there's brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, and we are all part of that family. You belong. You belong in this family. You know, Jesus, he shared his life with his disciples. He did life with them, and they knew one another intimately. This was a critical part of Jesus' strategy here on earth. He was not the untouchable king, but accessible available to the lowly, to the poor, to the unaccepted, to the rejected, to the tax collectors, to the prostitutes, to the thieves. He welcomed all who wanted to follow him into the family of faith and we who are part of the family of faith, we must replicate Jesus and be accessible you might have been to a shop like me. Maybe you've gone to the post office. You had a, a task to do, a passport photo, a form to do, or something to send. And you get there and there's a sign up closed. It's very frustrating, isn't it, when you need to do something and you go to, kind of like this. This happened to me just last night. Went down to the local Thai, needed to give my kids some chicken fried rice and um, it was closed, our favourite Thai. Very disappointing. My kids were disappointed but we got the second best choice. It's really annoying at times when things are closed that you want open. True? Well, the family of faith needs to be open, accessible, welcoming, available to the lowly, to the poor, to the hurting, to the rejected and the unaccepted. We as a kingdom family need to have a sign on our hearts, I'm open, I'm available, welcome, you belong. Today I want to encourage, I want to inspire and I want to challenge us that we need to exercise this core kingdom practice called hospitality. Hospitality is not just about beverages and food as some think, it's about creating a family environment where people can connect with God and with each other. Christine Pohl, a professor at Asbury Theological College in the United States where they've experienced revival, she says, for most of church history, hospitality was central to the Christian identity. The concept of hospitality, especially towards strangers and aliens, is woven throughout both the Old and New Testaments. Well, think about for ancient Israel, it was one of the central pillars of their identity and their mission as the people of God. In the Old Testament, to share food was to share life. Other acts of hospitality, including allowing the strangers to harvest up into the corners of one's field, we see this in Leviticus, and including the alien in Passover celebrations in Exodus, and that's not the green little Martian men. The word alien means outsiders. Abraham, who is considered the father of Israel, the foundation of our Christian faith, he is is lifted up as the prime practitioner of hospitality. In the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews urges believers to not only emulate Abraham's faith, but to, to emulate his practice of hospitality. In Hebrews 13, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You just don't know who's coming in. You just don't know. Genesis 18, we read the story of Abraham. Now he's out sitting at his tent in the middle of the day. It is scorching hot. He's maybe he's getting a little bit of breeze, but most people are having their siesta right now. He's sitting there. And he's watching for travellers passing by. He sees three travellers come, so he begins to run out towards them and he bows down to the ground. Now this is a normal practice of hospitality, is that you bow to show that that, you know, that you're, it's a safe place, that you know, humbling yourself, it's hospitality. But at some point, I'm not sure where the point was, but at some point Abraham recognises that this is actually God, the Lord, Jehovah, in human flesh form. Now, this has happened a few times in scriptures where God himself has visited the earth in human form. And here he comes with two angels in a human form. They look just like men. You know, angels, contrary to public opinion, angels aren't always fat little chubby guys with harps and wings. So Abraham says, Lord, this is Jehovah, the word he's using, Lord, Lord. If it pleases you, stop for a while and, and I'll get you some water for your feet and I'll, you can rest under the tree and I'll go and bring you a morsel of bread to refresh you on your way. You know, since you've been traveling across my path and the travelers say, certainly, go ahead. So what does Abraham do? He runs inside, Sarah, grab three cups of the best flour and make bread. You know, this is quite generous. Two cups of flour makes four pizzas at home on Friday night at my place. You know, I think he had the, the spirit of Westcare, which is always to under-promise and over-deliver. <laughs> so here he is. He goes next and runs and grabs a little calf. A little calf. He gets the best of the calves. And he puts it over his shoulders and he runs up to his servant. He says, prepare this for a meal. Get it ready. You know, it, um, you know, it would have taken time as well. You know, kill that. Calf, drain the blood, cut the meat. And then Abraham, once that's all prepared, he gets curds and milk and he brings the rump steak cooked to medium. Maybe it was the scotch fillet with a bit of herbed butter, probably shish. But he set the meal before the men and he stood there under the tree. Now, many cultures do this. He was standing there watching them enjoy the meal while he stood there. And I don't know if your culture does that, but I've experienced this in a few different cultures. When I've been to Indonesia, when I've been to Russia, we, we were there in a home, and obviously they'd spend all that they had on our meal. It was, it was amazing. And they would just stand and watch you eat this Borge blood soup. A lot of pressure, you know. <laughs> When I was in Japan, you know, I went to a um, green tea ceremony and this bowl was like a bowl of green thick soup. I didn't know what was in there but I was drinking it and they were standing and watching and making sure I enjoyed it. Have we got some Sri Lankan family in the house this morning? Our Sri Lankan family. I've got Sri Lankan family, my brother-in-law. We went over to Auntie Shirley's house and she put on the biggest spread. She wouldn't eat with us. She just watched us eat. And this is culturally because you're prioritising your guests. You're, you're giving your best to your guests. This is hospitality, honour. So this is what's happening here in this scene. And then these the, the guests, which is the Lord and some angels, they turn to him and say, where's your wife, Sarah? And he says, well, she's in the tent. The Lord said, I'm going to come back about the same time next year and Sarah will have a, a son. Now, Sarah was listening. She was, over, she was eavesdropping. And she started laughing inside herself. And she thought to herself, an old woman like me, get pregnant. I haven't even had my monthly show for some time. And have you seen my husband? This isn't going to happen. She just laughed inside herself. And then the Lord he says to Abraham he says why did Sarah just laugh is anything too hard for God I'll be back the same time next year and Sarah will have a baby You see Abraham had been given a promise by God many 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 years before that he would be he would leave his home and that he God would give him a new land that he would be a foreign immigrant and that he would go to a new place and that he would multiply and become the father of nations. And here's this foreign immigrant now sitting at the entrance of his tent. He's sitting there in the heat of the day, the sun at its hottest, everyone else having a siesta and he's looking to bless a traveller. He is sitting there in the heat of the day with a sign on him, I'm open. While everybody else is enjoying their rest, I'm open. I'm open. He had this on his heart even before he knew who his special guests would be. Before he even ran out, he didn't know, but he had a heart that said, I'm open. Why? Why did he seek to bless others? What motivated him to be outward focused? Why did he run towards those strangers? Why was he so generous? It had become his identity because God had spoken to him. In Genesis 12, we read how God spoke to him many, many years ago in his homeland. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, Genesis 12, Go from your country and your kindred, and your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and in and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now this word blessed actually means dispensing good to others, a source of great good to others. This became his identity. This is what God spoke over him, that you will be dispensing good to others. This is who you are. Abraham, Abraham identified himself as someone who was blessed to be a blessing, who was called to be a blessing to the people near and the people far in the nations. And we in the kingdom, in the family of faith, we need to have this same heart too. We are Abraham's seed and we are blessed to be a blessing. And we need a a sign. I wish I could give you all one of these signs as you leave this morning. (laughs) I'm open. I'm open for business. Imagine this morning God walks into our service with two friends. Wouldn't we go all out of our way to show hospitality and care to the friends that he brings in. And he says, can you just look after my friends for me? Yeah, sure. How could we look after your friends the best way possible? Well, do you know the truth is? Every single Sunday, God has been working to bring his guests into this house. And we want to welcome them and make them feel so loved and accepted and belong. Yeah? So Jesus, New Testament, hospitality was key to his life and mission Jesus experienced and he enjoyed hospitality in several homes during his mission. You know, we think of the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We think of the home of Simon the leper. And he also practiced hospitality when he fed the 5,000, fed the 4,000. He welcomed sinners, prostitutes, and tax collectors. He spoke to a woman at the well where it wasn't socially acceptable, but he had a sign on his heart. I'm open. And that actually surprised her. He was surprising because he was so open. By freely hanging out with outcasts, he smashed the barriers of table fellowship, showcasing the radical power of hospitality. What about the disciples? Well, Jesus taught his disciples how to have hearts of hospitality. He actually spoke to them about the final judgment day. We read it in Matthew chapter 25. Then the king will say, say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came. They said, When, Lord, when did we do that? When you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. Jesus is our example of hospitality. He, the ultimate act of hospitality was dying on a cross so that we all could be welcomed in to the Father's house. The welcome. The early church leaders and members were expected to show hospitality. The writer of Hebrews, as we mentioned before, uh, the Apostle Peter, challenged believers in 1 Peter to give hospitality ungrudgingly. In Romans, Paul urges believers to welcome one another as Christ welcomed them. In this way, the gospel wasn't just spread by word of mouth, it was also spread through the loving and caring relationships as people interacted in their homes New Testament hospitality is about giving people a place to belong, a family. And people are hungry for welcome. But most of us Christians have lost our heritage of hospitality. Hospitality is not optional for us believers. We must welcome into the family of faith, this is the kingdom. So how? For some of us it comes really naturally. For some of us, it doesn't. We, we're all different. But So how can we be more hospitable? It's about more than just serving food and beverages. It's not just slaughtering a calf and serving some milk and cheese. It's about creating an environment where people genuinely feel loved. Yeah. 1 John 4 says... No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Our love for each other lets people see the unseen God. People searching for God realise that they have found him when they discover a caring community. Jesus said in John chapter 13, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. People in our world today are longing for belonging. Most of them live in the midst of broken relationships. People live so separate and you just think about your, your neighbourhood, there's so many, you know, electric garage doors, people just go in and don't acknowledge neighbours. And people are so isolated in their own neighbourhoods. And this was exasperated, we know, from COVID-19. And the result is this epidemic of isolation. You know, people feeling so lonely and isolated. And maybe that's you right now in this room, that you are feeling so lonely and isolated. Well, you don't need to feel isolated anymore. You've come to a family you can belong to. You know, the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They broke bread in their homes. It was about the home and hospitality and enjoying each other and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. This was a kingdom strategy. Kingdom hospitality needs to position itself. How do we position ourselves to be a blessing? How do we, like Abraham, seek to be a blessing and and put ourselves in our tent openings in the heat of the day and get a little bit uncomfortable? How can we do that? I've just got a few suggestions for us, including me. Number one, invite. Invite someone over for a coffee after the service. We can go out, have a coffee after this service. Stay for 15 minutes. If you usually run out the door, stay. Invite a family over for a meal, over for lunch. Invite somebody, you know, out to play a round of golf. Number two, volunteer. Volunteer in a ministry. There's a great way to be able to form community and connection. We always need people on team for the Christmas event, for the youth, for, for the kids' team. There's so many opportunities to become part of the family and get involved. Go. Go for a coffee with somebody. Go for a picnic. Go shopping together. Include include others in celebrations. Christmas is a great opportunity to include somebody into your family. We have done this before, I had had um, Tanya come over and, and share Christmas with us but I know and I want to honour Kim and Mick Davies who for many years invited beautiful dear Anita into their family and into their home for Christmas and birthdays and all occasions. They made a widow in our house feel part of their family. I honour that serve, serve the community, help someone who could never pay you back, host, host celebrations in your home. There's lots of ways, throw somebody a party that would never have had a party. These are all ideas for building relationships that Jesus' love can flow through. There are opportunities to invite un- unchurched friends to come and, and experience community. You know, Jesus himself was criticised for always hanging out with the sinners, the tax collectors. He got accused of partying way too much. You know that studies actually show that the more times that somebody collides their life with a Christian, the more likely they are to come to faith. Studies have shown that for somebody to come and cross that line of faith, it takes 30 times them having a seed of faith, an invite, an encouragement from a Christian, a testimony, 30 deposits until they cross that line. Let's not be exclusive. Let's be inclusive. You know, one of the best ways, one of the easiest ways to develop loving relationships is to join a connect group. It's a great way to connect with believers and really enjoy biblical community. So I want to ask, who here is in a Connect group? Give us a wave. Look at this. Yeah, over 50% of our church are in Connect groups. If you're a Connect leader, give us a wave. Can you just stand for a moment, please, Connect leaders? Let's honour our Connect leaders. Stand up. Stay standing. Awesome. Awesome. If you host, stay standing. If you host a connect group in your home, also join them and stand. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, hosts and connect group leaders, it's the best way to show hospitality to strangers. Thank you. Thank you for allowing strangers into your home. Because sometimes you have new people join connect group, never met them before, but hey, come on in. Thank you. I want to share a testimony from one of our Connect leaders. She says, Our Connect group is a wonderful, loving group of ladies. We support one another, love each other, and honor Jesus together. We combine once a month with our husbands and look forward to the dynamics and wisdom the combined group brings. We have had so many breakthroughs and have prayed for pregnancies to family cohesiveness, health, to praise for it. I have loved being part of this wonderful group of supporters. Isn't that awesome? Leading a connect group is such a joy, seeing lives transformed. Another person said to their c- connect group that going to connect group saved his life. i asked ask the, the band to, to come on up with me. When connect groups truly care about each other, people see Jesus' love in action and they're drawn to it like a magnet. So what are the obstacles and the excuses that we all make? Let's get real. <laughs> time. Time is, a, is one of our excuses, isn't it? Well, I want to encourage you just to include people in something you're already doing. Do you already go for a walk? Just invite somebody along. You know, in our, um, I know one of our Connect group leaders, she decided to do her washing with one of the other ladies so that they could, they've got to do washing anyway. They've got to fold the washing. Might as well do it together and spend time together. We can be creative, what about dedicating Sundays to the Lord and to fellowship? Yes, not just attending church, but make a day of it. Make, sure, make a plan that every week I'm going to do lunch with somebody. I'm going to give time to others. I'm going to dedicate a day to it. The second obstacle or excuse we often use is our treasure. Either we don't have enough or we don't want to spoil what we've got. You know, if you think I don't have much for people to come over to, it doesn't take much. A cup of tea. Going for a walk doesn't cost anything. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't want to have people over in my home. They might damage things or hurt things. Well, just take things away that that might get damaged. Have a have a simple <laughs> simple place that can be enjoyed. You know, not long ago, last month we had visitors for our house at our house for a week. Something got broken, but The investment and the opportunity to share my faith with with that mum and those kids—it's worth it. Hey, it's worth it. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe being part of a connect group. Maybe you got offended, and maybe you've been hurt when you've invited people over and they didn't reciprocate. Well, I want to encourage you. Trust Jesus, trust him, that he has called you to be a blessing to others. It's not about what they're going to reciprocate or what happens to you. You are obeying the Lord and you are stepping out in faith to be hospitable. So what's your next step? What's your next step? Maybe for you, a next step today is joining a connect group. Come and have a chat with us in the next steps area. There's connect groups on every, lots of different days and times. And, you know, over the Christmas period, over January, it's a great time to hang out as connect groups. You know, having barbecues together and going watching the cricket together and there's lots of opportunity to be community together. Perhaps the next step for you is to actually start a connect group, be a connect group leader, host a connect group. I'm believing next year we're going to have the most connect group leaders raised up than we've seen in a long time. Come and talk to us. Open your home. Why don't you take that next step of opening your home, inviting somebody over that you've never invited before? Open your life. Will you stand with me? I just want to pray for us together and ask the Holy Spirit to do whatever He wants to do. Amen. Would you just raise your hands? Heavenly Father, We acknowledge today that you are the king and your kingdom is one of relationship. And we say, Lord, open our hearts. Lord, heal hearts that have been hurt by relationship. Lord, heal hearts this morning that have had an offense or or a circumstance that's happened. Lord, would you heal brokenness this morning? Lord, so that we can be whole and strong and courageous and willing to be a blessing to others. Holy Spirit, will you give us people in our mind to invite over, people to contact, people to allow into our lives. Lord, would you give us courage to step out and to get connected. And Lord, would you show us what it is that you want us to do, Lord. Our hearts are open. Amen. Amen. Thank you.